0: Dracula and I welcome you to my house once the door is locked there's no way out I'm scared this place gives me the creeps are you trying to tell me that this house is haunted I'll show you who I am and what I am cobwebs you gotta be kidding Hello, everyone, and welcome to Cobwebs, a gothic cinema podcast. This is the podcast where we dive into the history of the gothic horror genre and its influence on cinema today. My name is Daniel Epler. I am your host, and we've got a really fun show planned for you uh, today. We're going to be talking about two Ken Russell movies that are in the Vestron video uh, collector series of Blu-rays, which are The Layer of the White Worm and Gothic. Now, these are both 80s movies, and we don't really talk about a lot of 80s movies on cobwebs. So, I knew I needed to bring on an 80s movie expert, and that is exactly what I did. So, joining me today is a very special first time guest. He is the host of the Good Times Great Movies podcast, which is a 1980s movies podcast. It's Doug McCambridge. How are you doing, sir? Oh, Daniel, thank you, maybe, for having me on to talk about these movies. <laughs> I kind of know what you're saying already before we get too far into it but uh uh you're welcome slash I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> this is this
1: this was a wild ride here so I am I'm very excited to be here um like I said I'm a huge fan of the show like I I reached out to you and I said, please, please, please allow me to come on your show. And uh and finally you, you know, you found something that I guess fit with what I do on my
0: show. Well, I think this all came about because you mentioned that you were a fan of the Vestron series and that you would love to talk about anything in there. So so the Vestron series, what is it about these movies that you were interested in? Um, well, really,
1: I mean I think I'm just From listening to your show, I'm going to say I'm a little bit older than you are. Um, And I remember the company. Like, I remember getting the VHSs from the store, like renting them at the local video store and everything. And there was just always something about seeing that logo that maybe you knew you weren't in for the greatest film ever made, but you were in for something that was a little bit interesting. Um, So when... You know, when Lionsgate basically said, hey, we're going to release these on Blu-ray. And it's it's really crazy. Just the, the collection as a whole, what they're putting into this is, is sort of fun. I mean, it's hit or miss, let's say. Um, but they're all, for the most part, movies that I either remember seeing when I was younger or they were ones, uh, especially in the case of Gothic, I remember that VHS box art so well. And as a kid being like, this looks terrifying and sexy at the same time. And I know I'm not ready to watch this movie now.
0: <laughs> I don't know if I'm ready to watch that movie right now. <laughs> so yeah, what are I, some of the, sorry, sorry, go ahead, sir.
1: No, 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 no. I, I'm i a huge fan of the collection. I have every one of the Blu-ray releases, uh, except for, Maximum overdrive because I hate that movie so much. I can't bring myself to buy it. But when I look at the numbers, I think it's like 17. It's just not there. So if it ever goes down to like $8, I'm just going to have
0: to get it. Sure. The Vestron is, uh, the, this Blu-ray series, it's a little bit the bane of my existence because I just mm-hmm. recently decided, like, I want to own this entire collection. <laughs> and I also decided I want to own them all with slipcovers because they're all numbered on the spines. And mm-hmm. uh, if if they're not all slipcovered, then the numbers aren't going to line up unless I just get rid of all the slipcovers. But I didn't want to do that. Um, right. And that turned out to be a difficult uh, prospect because most of the slipcovers are out of print at this point. So if you just buy it on Amazon for like $18 or, or whatever they're selling it for, uh, it is not going to come with the slipcover. So I started resorting to eBay and eventually I just kind of called it quits. I was like, uh you know what? I, I don't think I'm going to do this anymore. It got too difficult and stressful to find decent deals on these. Wow. editions. I yeah, I had no idea. I, I didn't know that the slipcovers were out of print
1: because anytime you go to Amazon and you're looking this stuff up and it's, very frustrating especially with stuff like you know vinegar syndrome or whatever it looks like the slipcase is there in the little preview that they show um i had no idea that those things were out of print so maybe i'm lucky i snapped these things up while the, you know the moment they came out
0: yeah yeah maybe you are and i don't know that they're all yeah out of print but it, it got to be like too risky like to buy on amazon sure. and i should say i am not like a crazy slipcover person <laughs> normally <laughs> i just decided i was going to be with Vestron in particular. Um, So I do have a fair amount of them at this point. I think I have around 10 out of the 16. Um, But it was pretty cool that they just recently came back and and released a couple of new releases. And for some reason, they were selling them for like $10. It was David Cronenberg Shivers and Little Monsters. Uh, But that was very exciting for me.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping they don't uh, go away completely. Um, Lionsgate is a a company that isn't... um, I don't want to say trustworthy. That sounds horrible to say. Um, But hopefully they're just on another brief hiatus and they'll come back with a few more. But again, I I don't want to have to keep buying these. Maybe like get to 2025 and stop that. Like that's it. That'll make it feel a little more complete to me.
0: Yeah, it's it's a weird compulsion because, like, for the most part, these aren't really movies I'm going to watch again and again. Like, yeah. do I really need the Waxwork and Waxworks 2 double feature? Like, I don't really watch those very often. Right, right. Uh, maybe not,
1: too. I love the first one. I love it. And I will watch The Gate 45 more times before I die. I guarantee you.
0: The Gate is a, is a marquee title. That and the Wishmaster, at least the first Wishmaster, oh, and Chopping yeah, Mall, right. probably yes. my top.
1: Of course, Chopping Mall, yeah. Yeah, These are, they're great, and uh, these ones, I have to tell you, um, they were still in their shrink wrap. For some reason, I would have bet you that I had watched them before this and layered the white worm I had, but I would have guaranteed you that when they came in the mail, I opened them up, popped them in. I was shocked that these things were still wrapped up, so it was an excuse to open
0: them, if nothing else. I watched them both for the first time for this podcast as well <laughs> within the past week. Okay. So we're, uh, <laughs> we're both a little bit newbies to these, I guess, huh?
1: Yeah. I mean, I had seen Layer the White Worm before. Um, I remembered big portions of it. There were, there were a lot of it that I had completely forgotten. Um, but Gothic was brand new to me, 100%.
0: Yeah, and, and Layer of the White Worm was definitely a movie that I've always been very interested in, and I did own this movie. Uh, I do not own Gothic, full disclosure, but I just mm-hmm. knew, like, well, if we're going to talk about Ken Russell and Vesteron and Layer of the White Worm, I feel like we also have to talk about Gothic as well. So yeah. we are going to be talking about both of the movies So, these are both directed by a gentleman named Ken Russell. Now, I will, full disclosure, and I'm sorry if anybody's gonna be mad at me, uh, I'm new to Ken Russell. These are my first two Ken Russell movies. How about you, Doug? Uh, I've seen a,
1: I don't know, but a good number of his work. I've seen, I've seen that, I've seen every Ken Russell movie that you're supposed to see, let's say. I've seen The Devils, I've seen Altered States, um, I've seen Tommy. I've seen Women in Love. That might be
0: it besides these two. But I've seen the big, the heavy hitters. I really wanted to watch The Devils coming into this. I felt like that, like if I'm going to talk about Ken Russell, I have to have seen The Devils. Yeah. And it did just go to Shudder. Uh, but I'll be totally honest. I was planning on watching it after I watched Gothic. And I watched Gothic and was like, <laughs> I think I'm a little worn out on Ken Russell right now. I don't <laughs> think I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I completely—these are these are bizarre
1: entry points. Let's say that. So <laughs> okay. if people are listening and they have no idea of his filmography, maybe don't dive in with these two. <laughs> maybe watch something like Altered States or certainly The Devils. I, I could sing The Devil's Praises and, and even Women in Love, which is very different um, than the rest of the ones I've mentioned. But uh, yeah, check those ones out beforehand. <laughs>
0: Well, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like these are like the most readily available Ken Russell movies because of the Vesteron Blu-ray collection. Like The Devil still does not have a decent physical media release, and right. it's only because of just now going to shutter that that people can easily watch it.
1: Yeah. Um Women in Love was put up by Criterion on Blu-ray, I think about a year or maybe two years ago. So that's 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 a really Uh, Let's call that his prestige film. Um, So that has a really, really wonderful release. So I'd I'd recommend anybody that's, that's even something you could blind by and do not trust uh, Ken Russell from what you see in these two films or the devils Uh, women in love is very different. So even if you're not keen on this stuff, you might want to pick that one up. Um, But yeah, altered States floats around like you can find it and, Tommy's super weird. I'm not a big fan, but uh, yeah. So, so a lot of his stuff for periods uh, certainly has been tough to find.
0: Well, I'm glad you're definitely more familiar with Ken Russell. So I may be leaning on you a bit on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I'll try and help you. <laughs> okay. Well, well, hey, do you want to go ahead and dive into these movies? Feeling ready?
1: I'm, I i am Let's say I'm as ready as I'll ever be. <laughs>
0: All right, sounds good. So, uh, normally I go chronologically, but uh, if it's okay with you, Doug, I think what I'm going to do is start with Layer of the White Worm because I kind of feel like that's the marquee title that probably sure. more people have seen. So, yeah, we're going to go ahead and start out with the Layer of the White Worm from 1988, uh, of course, directed by Ken Russell. One, two, three, four. I hear you're having trouble with a snake. Dionysus was a pagan snake god.
1: I'm snake watching. It's as if they were just swallowed up. John Dampton went a-fishing once, a-fishing in the weir. He caught a fish up on his hook, he thought it looked mighty queer. Now what the kind of fish it was, John Dampton couldn't tell. But he didn't like the look of it, so he threw it down a well. Ha!
0: We you mustn't take the word worm too literally. It's an adaptation of the Anglo-Saxon virm, meaning dragon or snake. Ah, uh, the experience of a
1: lifetime. Now the worm got fat and growed and growed an awful size with great big teeth and a great big mouth and great big goggle eyes. So John set out and caught the beast and cut it into halves and that soon stopped it eating babes and sheep and lantern cats. Yeah! From the director of Altered
0: States Ooh!
1: and the creator of Dracula, a new movie of venom and vengeance, Ken Russell's The Lair of the White Worm
0: I'm famished. We stop on the way for a bite. Uh, watch out for your ass. So if anybody doesn't know what this movie is about, essentially it is starring Hugh Grant as a uh, very rich British pretty boy essentially who just came into a large inheritance and he returns to his country castle in England and there is a legend that he had a distant ancestor who once slayed a local dragon which is a monstrous (laughs) white worm with a fondness for the sweet flesh of virgins. Uh, Now, this young lord, played by Hugh Grant, he dismisses the legend as folklore until archaeology student (laughs) Angus Flint explores James' property and unearths a massive reptilian skull and a pagan snake god's ancient site of worship. And there is also a fascinating vampire woman, basically vampire woman, played by Amanda Donahue. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's it's an odd movie, but I feel like before we dig into it, Doug, I feel like what I have to ask you right now is... What are your thoughts on Mr. Hugh Grant?
1: I I don't really have much of an opinion on Hugh Grant. I really feel like for it's it's it might be strange for me to say that um, he's extremely good looking. He kind of feels the same and acts the same in every role. like I don't think I've ever seen him play anything but Hugh Grant in a film. I feel like if you met the man in real life, this is what you're going to get. He's the same in Notting Hill as he is in The Lair of White Worm, which sounds insane given your crazily accurate description of what this movie's about. Uh, yeah, he, he's fine. I would never go see a movie because he's in it, but it doesn't offend me when he pops up on screen.
0: Okay, so I think I would have had a very similar answer as you until fairly recently, actually. Um, now, the one time that I... Now, I hadn't seen a lot of Hugh Grant movies, full disclosure, uh, but the one time that he really impressed me in the past was when I saw Paddington 2 that just came out just a couple of years ago. You're a very famous actor. Oh, no pooh. <laughs> or used to be. Now you do dog food commercials. <laughs> well, a man has to eat. What? Dog food? <laughs> And I thought he was pretty incredible in Paddington 2. And uh, I listened to an episode of the Screen Drafts podcast recently. Do you listen to the Screen Drafts podcast?
1: I don't, but I'm writing it down right now.
0: Oh, it's real good. Uh, But they did an episode on Hugh Grant movies recently. And I listened to it and I was really intrigued and they talked about a lot of movies that sounded really good that I was really interested in Mm -hmm. watching. I haven't watched a lot of them so far but I did watch Notting Hill for the first time very recently Mm -hmm. and I honestly loved Notting Hill. I I thought it was really, really good. Uh, I am a fan of the romantic comedy genre full disclosure Sure. Um, but uh, I I loved Hugh Grant in the movie particularly. He really made the movie for me. I thought he was just so likable and charming and, and just a way that that can't be taught. Like it's just so natural for him. So uh, going into this movie, I was more excited about watching another Hugh Grant movie than I was about watching my first (laughs) Ken Russell movie, to be honest. And um, I, I like this movie. Uh, It is a movie that like, I think I had to think about more uh, in, in order to kind of come around on it. It's very strange, but it is at its core a pretty traditionally gothic vampire movie, even though it is technically not a vampire film. Uh, it's it's more like, what is Amanda Donahue? She's some kind of snake woman?
1: I don't even know. Like, that that's the thing. And, and you're right. This is 100% a vampire movie. That's it. It, it just, it, this doesn't need to have anything to do with worms or whatever. Like, this has vampire written all over it. I guess she is a, hmm... I was going to say like a slave to the white worm but she kind of just keeps it and does its bidding I guess and then spreads this white worm vampiric curse to other people I'm I am baffled by what is happening in this movie start to finish Now can I say something that I tried to do in prep for this show which Please do should, I don't know. I'm not going to say you should feel honored because I failed miserably. I tried to read the book. Oh, nice. I tried to read the Bram Stoker novel. I have some Bram Stoker around. This is something I've tried to read a couple times. I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. That's it. I'm going in. I'm going to read it. It is nonsensical gibberish. It is terrible. <laughs> and also, it's so racist. It is insanely racist and I got about halfway in before I just gave up because I had no idea what was happening you do not need to read it like it, it's not this movie it's not even close
0: I've heard it's terrible you are absolutely not the first <laughs> person really I've heard bad. that from in fact Ken Russell didn't like this book I don't know how anybody could it's <laughs> it's
1: like I am not a, a, a fan of the sort of turn of the century um, flowery prose, but it is just, every time there's a bit of tension that could be had, he ends the chapter with like, uh, my boy, we'll talk about that tomorrow. Let's go to bed. Or, uh, that's for another time. Let's go take a walk. There's no tension. There's no excitement. He somehow diffuses any bit of action or interest in this novel. It's, it's like he was trying to do it on purpose.
0: Well, in his defense, I think if Hugh Grant was in a horror situation, that's exactly what he'd do. He'd be like, well, you know, pish posh, let's deal with that tomorrow, shall we? Yeah, I I just cut a woman in half. No need to worry yourself about this. (laughs) My hair is floppy, and that's really all we need right now, my dear boy. You know what? Who I did not recognize in this movie until the end credits when I saw his name is Peter Capaldi. Oh, I did uh, not recognize him the whole way.
1: Yeah, I I didn't either. Now, I had originally seen this movie, I'm going to say, probably about 20 years ago. Uh, For younger listeners, uh, the Sci-Fi Channel... Didn't used to be spelled S-Y-F-Y, which is weird. And they didn't used to put on a bunch of programming that seems like you know CW in space or with magic. Um, they used to play a lot of movies. Like, like, you could turn it on, and it's where I first saw Cube, which is fantastic. But I remember finding this movie, and it was around the time probably around the time of Notting Hill. And Hugh Grant was huge. And I saw him in this. I was like, he's so young. Like, I I don't know what this movie is. And I know I watched it. I couldn't really tell you what happened at that time. Who knows? Maybe I fell asleep. But I know I had seen it before. That's where I first came upon this. But it was like watching it for the first time again. But there were certain things like some of this imagery – You're never going to forget some of this stuff. I don't care if you never revisit this film again. Some of the stuff you see will stick with you for probably the rest of your life.
0: Yeah, it is really unique. Uh, It's Mm -hmm. an 80s horror movie that's kind of unlike any other 80s horror. Uh, I mean, Ken Russell, he's... He's not based. Okay, based on these two movies, and and we've definitely discussed. There's a lot mm. others that I should have seen. Maybe I should have seen first. But based on these two movies, he's not my guy. Like I don't mm. feel connected to him. I like I was kind of comparing this both these movies a little bit in my head to um, Paul Nashe's Night of the Werewolf because I'm pretty new to Paul <laughs> Nashi as well. Yeah but I watched Paul Nashie movies and I just kind of immediately connected to what he's doing. And I can tell he's a big fan of like old Gothic hammer movies. And I think he's doing a really fantastic job homaging them. And I can't say the same for Ken Russell. Like I can also tell from this movie, he's definitely a fan of old Gothic movies. I think there's definitely a lot of hammer homage in here. I just don't think he's near as good at homaging it as Paul Nashie is. And, you know, maybe that's an unfair comparison. Um, I I also think much like, you know, you kind of said about the book, I don't think this movie is very good at building tension. I don't really think it elicits fear or anything like that. It has kind of a camp sense of humor that always feels out of place every time it comes out.
1: Yeah. Well, that's that's sort of what I was going to say. I mean, you connect Paul Nashi to Gothic, it's like a one-to-one. Um, But with this, there's a lot of camp and there's a ton of humor in this. I I don't think any of this is meant to be frightening at all. Um, A lot of the humor this time kind of really did land. Like I I, just like you, I enjoyed this movie. I I thought it was a ton of fun. I could see watching this again. At no point was I bored with what was going on. I Most of it, I had no idea what was going on. Uh, But there were just certain scenes and I don't know if... Some of these scenes were played for laughs or not, like the whole thing where Hugh Grant plays the the sort of snake charming uh, music with the giant speakers on the roof, which I actually found that funny. <laughs> but when Lady, you know, Sylvia Marsh, let's call her Sylvia Marsh, not Amanda Donahoe, um, when she just walks out the door seemingly in a trance, I love how was it Eve or Mary. And Angus. Anyway, they're just hiding like around the corner and they just walk right in just as she wanders outside. Like her <laughs> yeah. peripheral vision, she should have been able to see them. And for some reason, I found that very funny. And this is this is camp. Like, I don't think Ken Russell is trying to do anything but a campy, goofy horror film with this at all. But I I do have to apologize. You were talking about Peter Capaldi, and I totally went off on a different tangent. But you're right in in that he is unrecognizable with this insanely curly mop that he has on his head.
0: (laughs) No, you uh, you, you tangent totally fine because I didn't really have much else to say about him (laughs) other than, oh, my God, it's Peter Capaldi. There are two Paddington villains in this film, which is very special. (laughs)
1: Oh, okay. You know what? I have not seen Paddington 1 or 2, so maybe I'm missing oh, out shoot. here. <laughs> missing oh, out on they Hugh Grant's actually, best role.
0: Yeah, I think it is. They're actually really wow. good movies, and Hugh Grant is legitimately great in it. I remember the year it came out, a lot of people were calling for him to get a Best Supporting Actor nomination for Paddington 2. Oh, I, really? I support that, yeah. Oh, yeah, man, he's really good. okay.
1: All right, that's pretty cool. I might have to check that out then.
0: Yeah, they're very unusually high-quality family comedies. You know, that's not a genre known for a lot of high cinema, let's (laughs) say. But I think the Paddington movies are. They're, like, legitimately great.
1: Okay. Fantastic.
0: So are you a fan of the Hammer Dracula series? I am.
1: Yes. Yeah, I think, I mean, overall, I, I think that there are some, and again, I'm just trying to remember what they are off the top of my head. Um, I know that I certainly like some more than others.
0: Sure. Yeah, um, me too. Um, but overall, yeah, I'm a huge fan of that series. But anyway, there's a particular entry in that series that I love. Uh, it's the fourth one, Dracula Has Risen from the Grave. And this mm-hmm. movie reminds me a lot of that in that it is a gothic vampire movie that at times feels a little like it's heavy on the 80s teen movie aspect and it kind of feels (laughs) like fun 80s teens fighting a vampire Uh, which obviously is exactly what Fright Night is and that's this isn't Fright Night level or anything like that but it it reminded me of Dracula has risen from the grave in that way in a way that I thought was really fun because I did enjoy the characters I did like Hugh Grant in this um so, so, so yeah, I thought they were kind of a fun group of young people to hang out with while we watch them do battle with a sort of vampire.
1: It's they're a fun group, but it's such a bizarre collection of characters. Like, I don't they are characters that do not seem like they should be. Friends with each other, like even acquaintances, and and I'm also not that I need some sort of backstory, but I don't know what's going. Like we're introduced to Peter Capaldi, he's like mid dig. These two girls are talking to them. I didn't know they were sisters for a long time. I love how they're walking home from the party, and she's like, "I don't like to go this way. My parents went missing on this." Road. <laughs> like everything, is the exposition is hilarious at every turn in this, but it just, it's a bizarre collection of people um, all, like you said, getting together. None of them seem to have any skill set either, which I really, really enjoy. Like, I guess we're supposed to assume that Hugh Grant is good with a sword because he has it at the party. <laughs> But it's not like it's it's not established that he's a wonderful swordsman or or that he can fence or anything like that. And I don't know how Peter Capaldi came up with that antidote. Don't know where any of that stuff came from. And at the end of this movie, we learn he can play bagpipes and flat out has to wear a kilt to do it. Because he's
0: Scottish.
1: This is (laughs) the movie is so crazy. And I think I love it just because of that.
0: Well, Ken Russell's like, well, this character is Scottish, so he can play the bagpipes, right? It's like a prerequisite for of being course.
1: Scottish. <laughs> right. And all he brought the, was
0: his filthy digging clothes and a kilt on this excursion. I do agree with you when you mentioned that like it's difficult to kind of get a sense of the characters' relationships for a while. Mm-hmm. Cause like for a little while I thought Angus and Mary were siblings. Because she says something like, oh, since mom and dad died. And I feel like (laughs) you only say that when they're also your mom and dad. Otherwise, you say my parents or something like that. Uh, But then when they start getting romantic, I'm like, okay, not siblings, right? Okay.
1: Again, and it's almost like the script was a mess, too. Because she really does start by saying, yeah, our parents are dead. And it is about three scenes later where she's like, well, they just disappeared. (laughs) Like, what? (laughs) And how long has he been digging on
0: your property? Have you never had this conversation before, I guess? So what I what I believe I I grasp is Angus is a tenant of their house. Okay. And the, the sisters live there. And Hugh Grant is a neighbor who's not there most of the time, but came back into town. And I guess is here's what's really confusing. It really sounded like they were describing that James, who who is Hugh Grant, him and Mary's sister were like friends with benefits when he comes into town but then at the end she's the virginal sacrifice so yeah that i also don't understand
1: yep a hundred percent i was like wait a second Catherine
0: oxenberg and hugh grant are virgins i'm not buying this at all and he says earlier to her like oh i can't believe you kept me up all night dancing for gold sakes and i'm like he's not talking about dancing but i guess he
1: was (laughs) talking I guess he was. I don't know. They're eating a bunch of worms at this party. It looks disgusting. I Yeah. So let's
0: talk about the head snake vampire, Amanda Donahue as Sylvia. How do you think she is in this movie?
1: Oh, she is camping the hell out of this role. And she, I feel like she's doing a fantastic job because so much of her acting isn't even against other people. You know, she's not reacting a whole lot to what other people say to her. There are plenty of scenes where it's just her alone. When she comes out of that wicker basket, I think that is one of the greatest things I've ever seen on film. (laughs) It's such a strange sort of... I mean, they, they dress her... Well, when they are dressing her. Again, it's that sort of heightened, campy teen movie effect. I mean, she's either wearing nothing or pretty much wearing nothing all the time, but she seems so comfortable in any sort of environment that she's in. I think, I think she's just destroying this
0: movie. I think she's really great in it. I I think she's great too. Did you know that the role was originally offered to Tilda Swinton? Actually, (laughs) I did read that and that she was
1: offended or laughed it off or something like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Essentially she, uh, Apparently, she was personally offended and did not return Ken Russell's calls after she read the script. So, But Amanda Donahue took it on and and did crush it. Um, I also love when she's coming out of the basket. I don't quite understand why she's in the basket. But (laughs) both of these movies have really striking posters that are also just as striking when they happen in the movie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's pretty great.
1: Yeah. Uh, again, the whole basket thing, it, it's just one of those things where you know that Russell was just like, you know, it would be a great idea here. I mean, it's never established like that's where she sleeps, like that's her coffin or anything like that. Like none of that's ever talked about. It's just these wonderful scenes with her, uh, especially when, when Peter Capaldi comes in and when she – jumps out, like leaps at him and she's like painted up gray for some reason. She's not wearing anything, but she's got like all this studded like design work in her hair. It's it's amazing and it's shot in such a unique and interesting way, like shot really low. Yeah, she's, she's great. And another wonderful scene, I think, when she is interacting with that, I don't know, whatever the British version of the Boy Scouts are, I loved every
0: second of that. That stuff made me so uncomfortable. I assume <laughs> you're talking about the teenage boy that she lures That's... into her house. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's a, it's really creepy sexual stuff with her and this teenage boy that she lures in, uh, really just because she wants to get, not drink his blood. Cause she's not technically a vampire, but I no. guess feed him, feed him to her white worm. God. Um, And that's what like, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that the book is kind of racist because then I was thinking like, Oh, so it's, I guess Bram Stoker had a little bit of HP Lovecraft in him, Mm -hmm. but this movie is, is like Stoker as Lovecraft kind of in the way that they talk about this worm God. It reminded me of like the sea God in Dagon, which is also a Vestron movie.
1: Yeah. I, I got a lot of that too. Um, and, and again, I haven't read much Stoker. I, I think honestly I've only read Dracula and I tried to read this. Um, but it it does have this weird Lovecraftian feel to it. Just I I feel like it's the worm. Like I feel like it's just this subterranean, vaguely monstrous thing that never really is shown. I mean, I know it's shown at the end, but that looks ridiculous. But it's never really shown or explained properly. Um, it's just this vague creature, and I guess that's that's how I feel, that it's kind of
0: Lovecraftian in a way. That's funny. I actually really like the worm at the end. I thought it looked cool. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I like goofy practical effects, you know. Sure, sure. And I was glad that we actually got to see something because, you know, this movie doesn't seem super high budget, so I wasn't sure.
1: No, this movie does feel like they're just going to tease a worm the whole time, and it's never, ever going to get paid off. So if seeing a puppet open its mouth a lot is paying off, then this movie pays off 100%.
0: (laughs) I like puppets, so I'm into it. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I thought the ending was uh bigger than I expected like uh for one thing yeah. we do get Hugh Grant chopping a snake person monster thing whatever it is in half and that's a I think that's a fun weird shot when uh, it's um the snake monster is in half and it's like flailing around on the ground it's like uh they tried their best to make a person look like a snake flopping around and I thought they did yeah. a pretty good job, even though it looks insane and campy. And, and yes, I took like a video of it on my Snapchat and sent it to people.
1: <laughs> it's a great effect. Yeah, you don't, you don't get a whole lot of like wonderful visual effects in this film. Uh, but when they do it, they do it really well. I, I think that that scene is really fantastic. My favorite part of that scene is how Hugh Grant cuts her in half then goes to find that his, I don't know, servant or whatever is dead, walks back in the room to take a phone call and seems to forget that he had just cut a woman in half who was still writhing around on the ground until she, like, tries to bite him or whatever.
0: Well, he's Hugh Grant, and he's, like, just as cool about that as he is about getting a coffee in Notting Hill. (laughs) (laughs) Right, yeah, pretty much. He's so
1: nonplussed in this movie. I love it. Yeah.
0: Oh, boy. Um, Let's see. You know what's weird is, like, after Hugh Grant does what the, the sword thing, he almost disappears from the movie. And I thought it was so strange that he's gone from the climax of the film and Peter Capaldi kind of ends up being the hero. When the rest of the movie, I really felt like Hugh Grant was the main character. I thought that was so weird.
1: Yeah, i I wasn't really sure how they were going to balance the two of them and they did not do a good job of it. You know, it's not the two of them really teaming up to take on this white worm because they have two villains. They have Amanda Donahue and they have this giant worm like, and they have two women to basically rescue. They could have done this together. And I think that would have made more sense. But then Hugh Grant's like, I don't know. I'll go get my friends and we'll wander into the cave. And then he's surrounded by a bunch of characters. We've never met at the end of this movie. It, it, it really is sort of strange how he does kind of drop out of the film until, again, at the very end.
0: Yeah, it's odd. And then he suddenly shows up. And we get we get a very interesting ending. How did you feel about the very end of this movie?
1: It's, it's horrible. It's unnecessary. <laughs> you do not need this. Because what it does is it undercuts everything that sort of makes sense. Because you see this teenage boy, and when she bites him you know, um, he kind of, you know, is then paralyzed, right? So she then bites Peter Capaldi in the end, paralyzes him, but we do see him with a needle before that. So then later when he comes to and is unparalyzed, he then reveals, hey, it's because of this antidote. Everything's totally fine. So at the end, when you find out it's not real, I'm like, well, how did any of this happen then?
0: It, it feels like somebody watched a rough cut of the movie and said, you can't have a happy ending to this movie. Yeah. You need a shocker. And the way they do it is so stupid with the pharmacist just calling him being like, <laughs> yeah, you know, that antidote that we gave you, ah, I gave you the wrong bottle. My bad. That's probably not a big deal, right? Just come by and pick up the other one. Yeah. <laughs> It's an And this pharmacist. means everyone's going to die. <laughs> yeah, this woman doesn't even appear to be a pharmacist. She appears to be in a
1: state-of-the-art lab, like, mixing up bizarre concoctions in this <laughs> back room. Like, it's not like somebody at the local CVS or Rite Aid is calling this guy. It's And it's so bizarre, too. She's like, we gave you the wrong antidote. And I'm like, wait, how did, how did he get an antidote for a giant, like, white worm vampire bite? I don't. I don't understand it, but I would have been totally okay if at the end of this, it really was like, I figured out an antidote. Like, that's such a silly ending that I would have been satisfied. But just to say, ooh, wait a second, we got to leave on a down note and leave with a stupid joke about getting a bite. Like, I was not into that at all.
0: I was not either. Like, I'll... I'll, I'll take a sad. I like happy endings, you know, but I'll take a sure. sad ending when it when it works, when it makes sense. And this just does not at all. Yeah. There's a there's a commentary track on the Blu-ray that I watched, and it's um, watching it with this commentary track is almost more fun than watching the actual movie because it's technically not a great track, but it's with a. Uh, le- lizzie russell i'm not sure if she's related to ken russell actually uh but she's with film historian matthew molina and they are basically through the whole thing being like oh man this is so great oh i love this oh this is so much fun wow check this out this is just so great and it's just like a really enthusiastic fan commentary it feels like but at the end of the movie they're talking about man it's really like john carpenter's the thing isn't it (laughs) What? <laughs> Whoa. Okay. Oh I think it's a little bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah.
1: Maybe take it down there. I know you're excited about, it. I don't know, your great uncle's movie or whatever, <laughs> but uh, take it down a notch there. I also feel like, as you said, um, Hugh Grant just disappears. I do feel like it's kind of a shame that the two women aren't in the car with them at the end. And it, it's just this throwaway line. Like, Hugh Grant's like, where are they? And Peter Capaldi's like, I don't know, the hospital. <laughs> Okay, like, wouldn't it be better if they're just all in the car at the end and they all look like they had been through a giant explosion and been through hell? And can't we just end it with them driving off and and we assume that they're going to be wonderfully attractive couples together?
0: Yeah, and Eve is the one that almost died. She was the one that's going to be the virginal sacrifice and like she doesn't even get to be in the final moment. It's no, it is odd. (laughs) No, not at all. Plus she had that
1: horrible, I don't know, attack when she touched that cross and saw all those, you know, phallic symbols and, you know, dancing snake women with
0: giant dildos. Like that was traumatic enough for her. We hadn't even talked about the giant dildos in the hallucinations and the hallucinations are like, you know, I haven't seen the devils, but I'm aware of it. And when there's all these like nuns and people on crosses, I'm like, well, Ken Russell, you really have a thing,
1: don't you? (laughs) Yep, exactly.
0: I do like it how it
1: just, it kind of, first of all, comes out of nowhere and it's like nothing else happening in this film. Um, It's extremely aggressive and I could see it being something that if somebody didn't quite know what they were in for or had never heard of the devils or had never heard of Ken Russell, that's the moment where you're either going to be totally on board with this film or you just turn it off and throw it in the garbage. (laughs) (laughs)
0: yeah it's a it is a strange movie it's still one that i mostly enjoyed i feel like this is kind of a perfect movie if you are doing like an all-night horror marathon and it's like Mm. the middle of the night this is probably a pretty great movie to program right about then
1: yeah i'd I'd actually maybe put it on a little bit later you know when people are fading i think this is something to sort of (laughs) bring them bring them back you know for and then you film with uh, or you end with something uh really great and you you end with the thing you know they kind of they're the same movie practically <laughs> they're
0: practically the same movie
1: <laughs> no oh, i boy. agree with you i i did i did really enjoy this um i wasn't certain I was going to um, especially you know sort of when it started and I was really confused as to what was going on uh, but in the end I think this is an enjoyable film and, and if people can track it down or get the Blu-ray if it's relatively cheap i definitely suggest
0: it sounds good and on the note of being confused about what's going on let's talk about Gothic from 1986 <laughs> also directed by Ken Russell and there, ladies and gentlemen, on the other side
1: of the lake, we have the famous villa Diodati, where Lord Byron, greatest living English poet, resides in exile. He was forced to leave his native land after many scandals. Bad, bad, and dangerous to know, she called him.
0: Tell the truth, Alba. He's the
1: devil. Show them your clove and hope.
0: theory that lightning can endow a lifeless being with life. To create a ghost story is is nothing but to create a ghost. Let death be our witness.
1: Our minds will do the rest. This is not a game. Gaze into the eyes. Conjure your darkest fear.
0: So what is this movie? My God, let's try to figure it out. Uh, It is based on an actual event where Mary and Percy Shelley, rather Mary Shelley, technically before she marries Percy Shelley, uh, Mm -hmm. Mary Shelley, of course, being the author of Frankenstein, uh, Lord Byron, Mary's half sister, Claire Claremont and Byron's physician, Dr. John Polidori uh, all meet uh, at Lord Byron's country house, essentially. And legend, is that this event uh, and the use of drugs, opium particularly, sparked the writing of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein and Polidori's story, The Vampire, which is credited as being an inspiration on Bram Stoker for Dracula. And beyond that, Doug, what the hell is this movie? I don't know. I have no idea.
1: I have no idea. This, okay, here's what this movie is this is a collection of very, very good actors doing their best but clearly all feeling that they're in a different movie than the others
0: pretty good pretty good description uh when i i when i put this movie on i had a very little idea of what it was uh because it's one of these movies where like you read a plot synopsis and it does not give you a sense of what the movie is so i Mm -hmm. like i'd read a plot synopsis and still been like hmm i still have no idea what i'm getting into And the opening credits come up, and I'm very impressed with the cast. I was very surprised. Uh, It's got Gabriel Byrne, Julian Sands, who you might know from other Vestron movie, The Warlock Collection, uh, Natasha Richardson, this actually being her first movie. Timothy Spall, you might know Timothy Spall from. We just recently talked about a movie he was in. He's in Sweeney Todd. He's in a. Mm-hmm. He's a pretty great British character. actor. Oh, yeah. uh, I think I first knew him from when I was a kid uh, from Enchanted with Amy Adams. He's in that, and uh, oh, he's yeah. pretty great. Okay. Yeah, you're right. All right, okay. <laughs> that is a surprisingly charming movie. I will just say. Yeah. Um. And I really like Timothy Spall, so I was also happy to see him pop up. This is probably the youngest I've ever seen him. Um, and then it gets into the movie and I just never really figure out what this movie is because you might think this is kind of a anthology from some of the synopsis I've seen that like these brilliant titans of literature that all come together and they tell each other ghost stories. And we get these different stories that sparked their great writings like, uh, Frankenstein and the vampire. So you think you're going to see these different stories. And I thought I was maybe going to see a rough, bizarre version of Frankenstein that would eventually get formed into the, the true novel. And we don't get that. It's really what this movie really reminded me of is actually a movie that I like better than this movie. It's a uh, climax from Gaspar Noe. Did you see oh, that? Okay. Movie? Yes. Yes, I did. So like climax, it's, I mean, it's a fever dream, right? Like yeah. a drug fever dream.
1: Yeah. Climax makes more sense than this. Though, I feel like it does. <laughs> Because I think they're just—it feels, it feels overstuffed. It feels full of ideas that are not fleshed out and not uh, completed. Um, but I do like your description of what you thought this was going to be, because that's exactly what I thought this was going to be. I—I I really did. I, I'm not saying that I thought it was going to be some sort of horror anthology, but I was certainly expecting to see sort of the the early stages of these um, monsters and, and people just sort of telling these stories. And that's not what this is. This is just wealthy people taking a lot of drugs and going off and having... I don't even want to call them adventures because everything is so trippy. It doesn't feel like any of this stuff is taking place in the same location half the time. Um, Some of it really is a hallucinogenic fantasy. Other times I can kind of follow what characters are saying. It feels like this wants to have this weird overarching plot of like them bringing something back from the dead or bringing some evil and they have to destroy the skull. But even that seems like tacked on at the end, just so we can end this thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So like the first half hour of this movie is literally just rich people dicking around a house and (laughs) uh, really nothing's happening. And they're just kind of hanging out. Uh, and this is movie is less than 90 minutes. So that's a half hour of that. And, then, and, and I know because I checked. A half hour into the movie, <laughs> they start talking about, well, let's tell ghost stories. And I'm like, oh, okay, this thing's yep. going to get going. Now we're getting into it, right? Then the rest of the movie is really watching people stumble around claiming to be scared of something and never really knowing what that thing they're scared of is. They're just really high, I think. And sometimes yes. we see some creepy imagery, but it never makes sense.
1: Well, and that's the other thing is, I'm not saying this could have been done well, because I don't know that anyone could have done this well. I'm not going to, you know, beat up on the director for this or the screenwriter or whatever. Um, A lot of times, I'm not sure if what we're seeing is real or not, you know, and, and, and a lot of times, certainly the characters don't know what's real and what's not like what are with those robot things that we're constantly seeing like the one that you know has like a a merkin and a door knocker on it like i that's that can't be real- that doesn't make any sense at all. We see a headless one like playing the piano later. I don't know if that's real. This is we see a snake a lot. Maybe that's real. I'm not sure it's established early on that there are other people in this house, like servants and we see people making food and stuff like this, but they never run into any of these characters so it's it's just a bizarre fever dream that, like you said is about an hour and a half long but it feels like it's about three hours long i don't know if you had that yeah. thought.
0: <laughs> uh, yes yeah i think and that's a big statement i think this is my least favorite movie i've ever watched for this podcast oh, okay
1: <laughs> all right well at least i'm making history on here i guess <laughs> you are this is a big <laughs> deal the yeah, robots and- uh, sorry, yeah. go ahead, man. No, 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 please go ahead. I, I could talk about these robots <laughs> for an hour and a half, I think.
0: I want to talk about these robots. I don't understand it because they both <clears throat> pop up very early in the movie. I think it's in that first ha- half hour where people yes. are just kind of hanging out. There is a moment where uh, Julian Sands, playing Percy Shelley, he walks into a room and there is a bizarre looking robot basically being a stripper and... And it does not look like a person at all. It looks like a very bulky, very plastic robot. And it's taking its <laughs> clothes off. And then it right. takes its skirt off. And there's like a human female pelvis under it. And yep. Ju- and Percy Shelley just watches this robot strip for a little while. And then, like you said, there is a headless robot playing the piano. No one ever reacts like any of this is strange. No. Like it's I all mean, normal.
1: Yeah. Like you said, Julian Sands watches a... <laughs> robot strip and he doesn't run out of the room screaming it's it doesn't make <laughs> any sense at all
0: no no and and i think we have to talk about the other big wtf moment uh mm-hmm. boob eyes
1: oh my god that? yeah yeah i think ken russell has some issues that he's trying to work out <laughs> in these two films the boob eyes i I do it. To, the boob eyes effect is pretty cool. Like it is so unsettling that I thought it worked really well.
0: It, it's, it's interesting at least. Um, yeah. This is a very sexual movie. They take a lot of, there's a lot of care for everyone to know that they're kind of hedonists, that they believe yes. in free love. There are several orgies, a fairly pretty non-explicit, but still uh, several orgies in the movie. Um And, and Gabriel Byrne, like, goes down on Claire Claremont and, like, yeah. she has a miscarriage into his mouth. Like, I yep. I, I can't imagine people listening yep. to this right now haven't seen this movie are probably just like, what the <laughs> hell are they talking about?
1: People probably think we're making this up. This is real. This <laughs> is real. This is an actual film that was made that you can find and I dare you to watch it. Yeah, I don't – you know what, though? I, I have to say and I – I think the one thing that, that, you know, you were excited about the cast and, and so was I. And I do think they're all, nobody's sleepwalking through this. N- none of the performances are bad. I really do think everybody's giving it their all. And I have to say, uh, Claire, who was she played by? Uh, Miriam, um, I think her last name is, it's C Y R. I don't know exactly how to uh, pronounce that. Kerr, I'd probably say. But okay, I'm not Kerr. Sure. Yeah, let's go with that. She is wonderful in this film like she is chewing scenery like nobody's business every time she is on camera I am locked into what she's doing like she's constantly even when she first meets Gabriel Byrne like she is climbing all over him when she's like biting him at the dinner table (laughs) like it is so bizarre and at the end then she's I don't know covered in mud, crawling around on the floor, trying to grab each one of them. I really thought that she was fantastic. I kind of enjoyed everyone's performance. I think Julian Sands normally gets, I don't want to call it a bad rap, but he's always, you know, sort of beat up for being kind of dry and pretty bland in films. Uh, And I even found his performance pretty interesting.
0: I read several reviews of the movie, and and no one seems to agree with me on this. But I thought Julian Sands was terrible. Like, okay. I thought he was like on a different planet than everyone else. <laughs> like, he's always screaming and crying, and not in a convincing way for me. But I don't know. Nobody seems to agree with me here. I agree with you on Miriam Kerr. I think she's really great. I think Gabriel Byrne is maybe the standout. Uh, yeah. He's he's kind of scary, uh, but he's really really good. Um, Natasha Richardson definitely playing the straight man, uh, but doing a good job at it. Definitely like doing her best to sort of be somewhat of a sane core at the middle of the movie. Um, But Julian Sands, he just, I don't get his performance. Like maybe it's great and maybe I don't understand
1: No, that's okay. I, I just feel like I guess I've seen him in so much stuff where he is so bland and uninteresting to watch him scream and cry, I guess, was just a little refreshing. <laughs> Do you like Warlock? Uh, Warlock is fine. I'd say out of those uh, types of films, um, was it like Prophecy, those, that, that series? And mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say Wishmaster falls into that. Um, yeah, I'm not a big fan. <laughs> Let's say that
0: right on. I have only seen warlock once. It was when I was doing like a long horror marathon in October mm-hmm. and it was the very last movie. Um, very, very late at night. And I, I at least under those conditions. I found it very watchable and very entertaining. Okay. I especially really liked Richard Grant in it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen it in a real long time. It might be worth uh, revisiting though. So yeah, I, I really don't, this movie defies description. Like and and just at the very end, suddenly being like, "Well, now here's present day." Like, wh- why, why, why do we need these people walking around in these horrible, you know, mid '80s outfits? Like, I, I understand that this took place in the past. You suddenly didn't need tourists at the end of this movie. I, it, none of this made sense. I do have to say, I was very excited. By the opening credits, that's such a dumb thing to say. But just having the skull get closer and closer as the credits were rolling. For some reason, I was on the edge of my seat by the time this started. I was like, I cannot wait for this to get going. And when it got going, I was like, this is terrible.
0: Well, also, the very beginning is great because it has that text that comes up that sort of sells you on what the movie could be. And you kind of get exactly. pumped up. Yeah. And then it's not what it's selling you. Yeah, I I don't know what to say about this. This is this is
1: something that is I mean, if it's almost something where I would I'm not recommending this to people, but it's almost like a seeing is believing. Like if you have listened to this and you suddenly feel like Well, this episode of Cobwebs is just nonsense. Like They're just making something up that doesn't exist. Like there is something about experiencing this where you could then look at somebody else that also saw this and just give like a silent head nod. Like, yeah, we went through this together and we'll never talk about it again. But there is some value to that, I guess.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, don't blind buy the Blu-ray, but I will say, as as I did, you can rent it in beautiful HD on Amazon Prime. You can also buy it on Amazon Prime for $6. So, uh, you know, do that if you must. <laughs> sure. I have two more things that I want to say yeah, about this movie. Of course. Uh, first of all, one thing that really rubbed me the wrong way beyond it just being nonsense I don't like the whole idea that this movie pushes, and it's kind of the only idea the movie has about Frankenstein, that Mary Shelley wrote Frankenstein because she lost a baby, which is true, she did, um, and she wants to resurrect that baby. And maybe that's true, maybe it's not, nobody really knows, but I don't like it when movies are about brilliant creators and they posit that... Well, this thing happened in their life, and it's a one-to-one to this thing that they wrote, mm-hmm. so that must be why they did it. Uh, my go-to example is a movie I, I, probably hardly anybody has seen, but for some reason I've seen it, uh, The Man Who Invented Christmas, which is a movie about Charles Dickens starring Dan Stevens as Charles, Charles Dickens. Mm-hmm. And it is just mm-hmm. so ridiculous in the way that it just one-to-one st- – it makes up all this stuff about Charles Dickens life. And it's like, well, he saw this or, or he experienced this and it's all yeah. one-to-one with a Christmas carol. And it's, and this movie is not that egregious, but it's just an idea I don't like. And the movie's just so exploitative with dead babies and so oh my much God, dead yeah. baby imagery. And like Mary Shelley really lost a baby and it just feels kind of yeah. gross to do that. It
1: does. And you said that they don't push it that hard near the end of this. I feel like they're just laying it on so thick because yeah. before that they mentioned it once or twice, but you're right by the end we were just seeing dead babies. I'm like, this is disturbing and upsetting. And the robots were disturbing and upsetting, but I wasn't offended by watching that. But yeah, <laughs> it's, it's just so ham fisted at the end of this. Um, Certain set pieces, I really did like it when uh, Natasha Richardson was in that circular room with the doors. I really thought that that was an interesting, you know, scene or or something that was, um, you know, uh, shot in an interesting fashion. Other than that, I I don't really think there's much to point out that was enjoyable about this.
0: Well, I have a praise and it only lasts like five seconds. But when we see the poster art in the movie, which comes from a painting called The Nightmare, Really is a shocking moment and it actually looks really cool.
1: Yeah, it is. It's recreated in such an amazing uh, way. And it's it's again, it's the cover art to this. And and like I told you early on, this is a VHS box. I saw so much when I was a kid and it it scared me and it intrigued me. And I am so glad I never watched this when I was like 12 years old. I couldn't even imagine (laughs) what I would think that.
0: No, I you're like, I don't think you would have understood a single thing going on. It would have made no impression on you. You would have been like, yeah. I'm literally watching like <laughs> static on screen. Right? Yes.
1: Yeah. If I had a hard time with the layer of the white worm, I could not have handled Gothic. No.
0: <laughs> Oh, boy. But I'm, you know, I'm glad the podcast has now covered this because this is Cobweb's a gothic cinema podcast. And, like, we you know, we have to talk about the movie called Gothic, right? <laughs> I guess so.
1: <laughs> you can cross it off that lengthy list now. Apparently. Uh, oh, boy. Do you have anything else to say about Gothic, sir? I really don't. No, I,
0: I enjoyed Layer the White Worm. Let's say that about Gothic. Yeah. Oh, man. I was... I was a little worried that we come into this and you'd be like, oh, this is an unsung masterpiece. It's David Lynchian. It's brilliant and blah, blah. And I'd just be like, oh, I don't get it. I don't understand.
1: But I (laughs) wish I would have thought that. That (laughs) may have made a more interesting discussion than us being like, this is garbage. Let's move on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. Well, hey, man, thank you so much for talking about Ken Russell movies with me, though. Like, I think talking about them was actually maybe more fun than watching them. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I agree. I, I really do. I mean, I I've talked about uh movies that I really enjoy, of course, and I've talked about movies I've hated, but uh the discussion is always better than those terrible movies.
0: <laughs> well, hey, uh plug I want you to plug whatever you want to plug and please tell us a little bit about Good Times Great Movies.
1: Oh, sure. Uh yeah, the other podcast I host is called Good Times Great Movies. Uh, my co-host and I Uh, We try and choose a movie from the 80s. Uh, It comes out every other week. We choose a movie based on theme, like seasons and holidays and an actor's birthday. Sometimes we get that lazy, and that's why we pick stuff. Um, We kind of try and have fun at the movie's expense, even if it's something that we really enjoy, Uh, even if it's something amazing like RoboCop. I can still laugh at that movie and have fun. Uh, Think of it as... um, I guess like a a comedy movie podcast. Uh, How did this get made, let's say, without the celebrities? But you know what? Our past episodes aren't behind a paywall. So check us out. Wherever you get podcasts. just find Good Times Great Movies.
0: Yeah, definitely look for it. It's a very fun show. You and Jamie have really fun chemistry. Uh, There is a lot of good comedy. And I I just have to say, if anybody doesn't know, you are the inventors of Sly Skiving. And that's pretty important.
1: (laughs) Sly Skiving is always a treat. Every single time, whether it's Cobra or one of my, I have to say, I this may be blasphemy. I think now my favorite sly movie is Rhinestone with Dolly Parton. It is amazing. Everyone (laughs) needs to watch that movie. I will sing the praises of that movie. It is a Sly is giving it his all in this
0: insanely comedic performance. It's so much fun. I have not seen that one. Uh, For some reason, I thought you were going to say Over the Top, because I did just recently. (laughs) I recently rewatched Over the Top, and then right away, I I went back and I listened to your guys' podcast on it, and uh, that was a lot of fun.
1: (laughs) It's great. No, it's great. Everything, Everything we've covered from him has been fantastic. I mean, maybe we're not scraping the bottom of the 80s barrel, but I thought that would have been Rhinestone. So. You know, you learn things.
0: Well, hey, I mean, may, maybe you'll get there. Maybe you'll get to his bad movie. But I, I, Stallone, I think he has a pretty great filmography. So I think you're probably good for a few more Thanksgivings.
1: Yeah. I mean, since we don't go beyond 1989, I think we're safe.
0: Yeah. Yeah, probably. But sadly, <laughs> you don't get to talk about like Demolition Man or Cliffhanger. That's a bummer. I know.
1: Maybe like a Patreon episode some something. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Maybe. No, but thank you for having me. This this really has been a lot of fun. Uh, like I said, I I appreciate you getting back to me. Um, I think I first heard of your show. I think it was um, Aaron Pin. Is his first name Aaron? Now I've I know the last it name is, is Pin. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah. I think I was turned on to your show through him and. I listened to one or two episodes. I was like, I I got to be on this thing. So have me back anytime. Anytime you're hard up and the the real host that you want doesn't show up, just let me know. <laughs> I'll be on in a
0: minute. No, no, no. I can. I guarantee we'll <laughs> definitely bring you back as long as you're willing. Um, Aaron Penn. I think I don't think anybody has brought more ears to this show than Aaron Penn. So I am very appreciative too. Yeah. That man, but um, yes, we will have you back. But hey, listeners, thank you so much for listening to Cobweb's a Gothic Cinema Podcast. Uh, please subscribe to us on whatever app you're listening in. And know you can always send us an email at cobwebspodcast at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Cobwebspod, and you can follow me personally on Twitter at Epler Daniel. We will be back uh next week. Uh, I'm not sure if I'm gonna announce it quite yet, but it's gonna be something really, really fun, and it will be sure. To give you the spooks, so we'll see you then.
1: One, two, three, four! John Dumpton went a fishing once, a fishing in the weir. He caught a fish upon his hook, he thought it looked mighty queer. Now, what the kind of fish it was, John Dumpton couldn't tell. But he didn't like the look of it, so he threw it down a well. Ha!
0: So, if you're in a tender mood, tune in next Tuesday.
1: Until then, good night.